you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to ask you to turn uh, to the book of Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. Uh, some Bibles title this book differently. It comes right after the book of Proverbs, Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, depending on whatever version you have. And I'm going to read chapter 6, verse 1. amazing Beyonce is such a confident speaker and we have several of our young people that are just confident speakers you know I wish when I was a kid I remember at, at the I, I, I was forced to go to his church when I was a kid <laughs> my mother made me go you know and and they wanted me to speak and I was like there's no way I'm gonna speak you know and, and I was I was a shy shy kid grew up always still shy, you know, and, uh, and I was like, I could never see myself going in front of people and speaking. But I see the kids that we have today, you know, and we've had a series of young people sharing and the confidence that they have to go before people, that's amazing. We are producing preachers and teachers, and I thank God for that, amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 1. And I'm reading from the New International Version. This is what it says in verse 1. Where has your lover gone, most beautiful of women? Which way did your lover turn that we may look for him with you? Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you would speak to us through these words, Father. This, this verse, uh, these this, this situation here, I pray, Father, that you would speak and, and may the spirit that inspired these words to be written in the first place be here to bring illumination, understanding, and direction. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people say, amen. 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 Now, this book, rarely ever read. In fact, uh, there was a time in the history of the church where people believed that this wasn't uh, this book shouldn't even be in the Bible. You know, it's a, it's a love story. It's a love song. It's a, it's a long song or a drama about, about love, about a relationship. And so it's, it's an amazing story. It, it, it tells the story about King Solomon uh, who fell in love with a poor, young field worker. You know, the king. She was out working in the fields, and he just happened to be passing by, checking on the fields that he owned. And as he's going by with all of his people, with all of his uh, you know, soldiers in the front, people in the back, and they're just kind of going through, he's passing the field, and he just happens to see her out in the field working. And, he, and he's like, wow, who is that? When he saw her, it was love at first sight. She swept him off his feet. And the same was true for the young woman. She fell deeply in love with him. And her friends couldn't believe it. There's no way, no way that the king loves you. There's no way. And she had reasons. She was explaining, you know, man, there's reasons why he probably shouldn't love me because you know, I've been out here in the fields and, and working out. And, and she began to run down some of the reasons and they would agree. Yeah, you know, I don't know why he would love you. Right? 
That's, that's what happened. I mean, you can read, read the story. Her friends couldn't believe it. Are you serious? That's the king. That's, that's the king. Do you know who you're talking about? That's the king. And by this time, the king already had about 140, at least 140 wives and concubines. You know what a concubine is? Like a, a live-in girlfriend. 140 of them. That must have been a big house. Did, did they know that the other ones were there? You know, yeah, they knew. Are you certain he loves you? Yes, he loves me. He loves me. He says that I am the most beautiful of all women. Get this, man. This is, wow. This is, what a story. He says of me that I am the most beautiful of women. And she tells her friends this. And like I said, by this time, he has all kinds. Now, this is what we know because he numbers them. And, and, you know, just after this passage of Scripture, he tells them how many wives and concubines and then a number that is innumerable about the other relationships that he had. And it's like, you, know, you look at this and say, brother, you don't need another relationship. You don't need, you, matter of fact, you need to go on a relationship diet by this time, man. If, you're, if you got all these relationships, man, you need to cut back a little bit. But for the first time in Solomon's life, he really fell in love. A lot of these relationships were, were political. Uh, to, to, to create an alliance with other, other kings, he would marry that king's daughter, and that would guarantee that that kingdom will never come against us in war. Some were commercial for, for business, and, and, and he had all these wives stored up in his harem. But for the first time, he actually fell in love. He fell in love. It was a love story. Now the young girl has a dream back in chapter 5. You know, we jump ahead. Chapter 5, she has this dream. And she dreamt that night that Solomon was knocking at her door. And when she gets up to go to the door, she gets there late because he's gone. This is her dream. And so she calls to her friends. And she has friends, the same friends that she talked to before. Have you seen my lover? Because I can't find him. And as she began to describe him to her friends, what he's like, this is how he looks. And, and she begins to describe him. And, and, and I'll kind of, I, I can read some of it to you. He, she says, uh, my lover is, is radiant and, and ruddy, which, which means like, a, 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 you know, healthy looking. He's radiant and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. His head is purest gold. His hair is wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the water streams, washed in milk. Mounted like jewels, his chest are like beds of spice, yielding perfume. His lips are like lilies, dripping with myrrh. His arms are rods of gold set in chrysolite. His body is like polished ivory, decorated with sapphires. His legs are pillars of marble, set on bases of gold. Is she talking about Kevin Young? It's like... <laughs> No, I guess not. No. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as its cedars. His mouth is sweetness itself. He is altogether lovely. This is my lover. This is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. 
my lover and friend. Have you seen him? I can't find him. And she begins to describe him to her friends. And so when we come to chapter 6, verse 1, this is the response of her friends. Where has your beloved gone, most beautiful of women? Which way did your lover turn that we may look for him with you? This is the passage that I read. This is what I wanted to talk about this morning. Because most biblical scholars, when they read this passage of scripture, they're not sure if what these friends are saying is speaking sarcastically to her or out of sincerity. Are they speaking in sincerity? Where has he gone? We'll, we'll help you look for him, most beautiful of, of women. Or, or is it sarcasm? Oh, you're the most beautiful of women. We'll help you find him. Where did he go this time? Remember, he's got 140 plus back at the house. Go check his apartment. You might find him there. What frame of mind are they asking this question? What frame of mind do they come to support the woman that the king loves? He didn't love you, or he didn't set his eyes upon you. He set his eyes upon me, but I can't find him right now. Can you tell me where he is? Oh, most beautiful of women. Are you sure he still loves you? Are you sure you're the most beautiful of women? Is it sincerity or sarcasm? Where is he? Where is the one who claims he loves you? who says you are the most beautiful of, of women. Where is he? Certainly he wouldn't leave you. Certainly he wouldn't leave you. Not if you're the most beautiful. And certainly not if he loves you the way you describe that he loves you. So where is he? Where is he at today? Today, you know, the same kind of question is levied against Christians. Did you know that? People ask that question about me and about you. Where is the Lord? Where's the one that says that he loves you, that you are the fairest among 10,000? Where is he today? Where's Jesus? To you and I, by, by those that don't believe in Christ, this same question is asked over and over and over again. I just happened to see a program, and I don't know the name of the show, but the, the talk, the, the, the host of the show is a, a of a, a devout atheist and he had a, a believer on his show and he was doing everything he can to bash this guy to bash the bible to bash jesus himself everything he can and the guy that was on his show just answered his questions uh, spoke with intelligence with clarity with peace and he was doing everything he could to discourage the guy but the guy was not discouraged because the one who loves his soul hasn't gone anywhere. He hasn't gone anywhere. He is still with me. And the confidence that he had, and the show host got angry. He started cutting the guy's answers short. He wouldn't even let the guy, he'd ask a question. The guy tried to answer the question. Then he cut him short to try and make him look bad on TV. But it was the host that looked bad. It was the host. Where is he? This question comes up. Those who have heard that the church boasts about the love of God, and they hear it, the church boasting about how, how God loves us. 
and, and how God loves us more than anything. He loves us so much that he's willing to give his son for us. They see the signs in, in the football stadiums, you know. God loves us, you know, and he gave his son for us. He loves us so much that he was willing to die for us on the cross of Calvary. But where is he? Where is he for you? Right? He loves you, huh? Can you point him out to us? How he calls the church his bride? How he says that she's without spot or wrinkle? If you're the most beautiful, where is he at for you today when you're struggling? Where is he at to you when you, when you, for you, when, you, when you're praying for healing and, and you're facing financial struggles and, and, and things become hard? Where is the one who says that he loves you without any, without any hesitation, without any, within, without any doubt? Where is he today? The, the, this question is asked over and over and over, not just for her. It's asked about me it's a, and about you. This isn't the first time. This is the question that the world asks. Where is the one who says that he loves you? The one you used to talk about, how he was willing to suffer for you, fight for you, and even die for you. Where is that one today? The one who said that he would keep your feet from slipping, who promised to be right there at your, at your side, to, to be a light for your path. The one who promised to keep you, to keep you from falling. Where is he at when you need him? Where is he at when you're struggling? Where is he at? Did, did, the one that you used to talk about or, or model, used to model him. Where is he at for you? And the world will try and mock you, try and mock me. Right? Didn't you challenge us to be faithful, to never give up? Didn't you talk to us about, about God and his faithfulness? Where is he at for you? Oh, we hear those those, those questions levied at us. Where is he at today? In chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, the, the young lady asked her friends, Oh, daughters of Jerusalem, these are her friends. I charge you, she said, if you find my lover. Now, this is after she has this dream. She, she had fallen asleep. She says, I was asleep, but my heart was awake. And I, and I heard him knocking at the door. And, and so she wakes up and he's, and he's gone. And, and, you know, chances are it was just a dream. She didn't hear the knocking. But she goes to her friends and says, you know, daughters of, of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my lover, what will you tell him? Tell him that I am faint with love. Look for him for me. Let him know that I love him, that I love him. And their response is this in verse 9 of chapter 5. How is your beloved better than others? How is he better than others? Most beautiful of women. How is your beloved better than others that you charge us so? In other words, there's other fish in the ocean. If you can't find the one that says that he loves you, hey, there are others. How is he better than others? Go look for a, a Sancho Jesus, a replacement Jesus. Go look for someone else. Look for someone else who will be there for you. How is your beloved better than others? What a question. Man, this is what makes believers or, or, or scholars today say, you know, maybe it wasn't with the most sincerity that these women were responding to this young lady. Maybe it was sarcasm. 
Will you go tell my lover that I, I, I love him? I, I, I went to the door. He wasn't there. Can you go out when you see? Just let him know I am faint with love. Is he the only one? There, there are a lot of people. You know, you know, if he loves you so much, most beautiful of women, we don't have to say that for you. He would say it himself. Not only do her friends ask this question, and not only do those who refuse to believe in Christ ask this question, but if you listen carefully, you know, and consistently, sometimes you'll notice that the bride herself asking, is asking that same question about Jesus. Where is he? Jesus, where are you at? I don't know if you've ever been in those circumstances where you're asking that question, Jesus, where are you at? Because I need you right about now. My family needs you. I, I need to hear a, a good word from you. I, I've received news from the doctor. Or I've, I've got this, this challenge before me. And, and Lord, if I don't hear from you soon, if you don't move in my life soon, you know, things are going to, you know, things are happening here. And, and, and I'm on shaky ground. Where are you, Jesus? Sometimes the bride asks that question. I've been serving you faithfully. I've been praying constantly. I've, I've denied myself, surrendered myself. Jesus, where are you at? And some of us begin to look for him in other places, look for him in other things outside the Bible, outside the Christian faith. We start hopping around in churches. Where is Jesus at? You know, insecure, you know, without a, a, a secure, grounded faith, searching for the one who says that you are the most beautiful of all women. Maybe I'll find Jesus over here. Or maybe my friends are right. Maybe he's forsaken me. What if he lied to me when he says that I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age? What if, he, what if, he, what if Jesus found someone new and he's not interested in me anymore? And he's left me high and dry. You know, and what's interesting is this young lady's friends wanted to know which direction he took when he disappeared. If you see there in chapter 6, verse 1, that's what they're asking. Where did he turn? And the Hebrew word they used here is actually asking which way he took when he turned from you. Where did he go when he left you? Which supposes that he turned to somebody else. Maybe he's not interested in you anymore. Can you imagine that? I've been dumped by Jesus. Wow. There have been times when Jesus made himself unrecognizable, and you've probably seen those times in Scripture. Um, when the young women went to the tomb uh, on the first Easter morning looking for Jesus. Now, they went looking for Jesus on that first morning, and they saw that the tomb was, was open, and, and they came, and in fact, they looked right at him and thought that he was the gardener, looking right at Jesus. In fact, Mary started yelling at him, Man, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him and I'll go get him. Over here pulling weeds and stuff, you know, you leave Jesus alone. Where's he at? So I can get him. I can find, tell me where he is. And she's looking right at Jesus. Didn't even recognize him. 
He made himself unrecognizable. Who are we when we don't see him? Who are we when we don't recognize him? In Luke chapter 24, verse 16, after hearing about the death of Jesus, two of the disciples were going back home. They were on the road to Emmaus, disappointed, disappointed, brokenhearted, after serving these last three, three and a half years, after seeing powerful miracles, hearing those teachings, wow, the teachings, man, they burned in our hearts. The words that he spoke were like, unlike anything we've ever heard before. And then all of that, and now he's gone. And it's the third day since he's been in the tomb. All of that, they were disappointed. In fact, they were talking about how they hoped that he was the one to come and redeem Israel. They hoped that it was him. And Jesus came right up to them as they were walking along. And Jesus walked with them and he talked with them. And the Bible says in Luke 24, 16, but they were kept from recognizing him. In the midst of their disappointment, in the midst of their circumstances, when they were questioning, where is he? Where is the lover of my soul? Where is he when I need him? Where is he when I'm doubting? Where is he when I, when I have a need in my life, when my family has a need? Where is Jesus then? He was right there next to them, having a conversation with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Where is he? Sometimes you might not see him. Sometimes you might not hear his voice. Sometimes you might not feel him. Man, there are times when you feel him. There are times in the worship where it's more than just singing and it's more than just words and it's more than just music. There are times when there is an experience with God and you feel him. Man, those are some powerful times. Those are some, some confirming times, some times where he, he lets us know that I'm right here with you. But then there are times where you don't feel him, where you don't hear his voice, where you don't see him move in your life. Is he far away? Has he left the one that he said he loved? The one he describes as the most beautiful of all? Has he gone away? Where is he at? And if there's anything that we can be certain about this morning, if there's anything at all, it should be that Jesus is alive. As the believers of the gospel, he's never far away. If there is anything at all that we can be certain about is that Jesus is always near us. Amen. Is that Jesus is walking with us. Is that Jesus is fighting, interceding. He is praying, protecting, covering everything we have need of. Jesus is right there. There is absolutely no reason to doubt that. If there's anything we can do in service to the world, man, we do it not thinking that we're doing this on our own. Whatever we do in service to those that we love and for those that we pray for, we do because Jesus is right there with us. We lay hands on the sick because it's his hands and it's his power that restore. We believe God for transformation because God promises to be there. If there's anything we know about, uh, about Christ, without a doubt, is that I am my beloved's and he is mine. And his banner over me is love. 
Walk the streets of the city as if he is walking right beside you, whether you see him or not. Walk the streets as if you, as if you know that he is right there with you. He's gone before you. He is behind you. Lay hands on your family, your co-workers and friends as if it's the hands of Jesus himself. Speak as though the words you are speaking are the words of Christ, full of power, piercing hearts that are hardened, making change within a person. Live as though you are living the life of Christ himself. Believe that way. That's what the world needs. That's what the world needs to see. And in so doing, you proclaim to the world that I am not in doubt of my Savior's presence. I am not in doubt that he loves me. I am not in doubt of the absence, that his, his power is absence. I am not in doubt that he is present with me in power, in present. He speaks a word that is a living word for this moment and this time. Proverbs 3, 5, and this was written by Solomon, the same guy with all the concubines in his apartment. Same guy. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not onto your, your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Understanding, uh, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Trust him. We live in a world where rationality and logic has kind of taken the first seat. You know, it's, 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 it's enthroned in our society. Rationality, logic, science, right? And, and you know, God is the, he's the one who wrote the book of nature and science. God's the one who wrote that book, right? Uh, the, the gospel isn't the only book. The Bible isn't the only book he wrote. He wrote the book of nature. He wrote the book of nature. The, the gospel and, and the Bible scriptures, uh, they're interpreted by people. and We call that theology. The interpretation of nature, they call it science. And, and, and it's the interpretation that people don't agree with, science and theology. But he's the author of both books. He's the writer of both realities. He is the same God, the same God that wrote scripture, wrote nature. He's the creator. The world has become rational, but that doesn't dethrone faith. Live as though he is right there with you. He has never left you or forsaken you. Jeremiah 17, seven says this, but blessed is the man and woman who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. He will be like, or she will be like, a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes, and heat will come. There will be days of drought, of difficulty. It'll be like, you know, Pastor Danny's dog. Rough, 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 man. It's all you can expect today. It's gonna be rough, brother. You know, it's gonna be difficult. But it sends down it, its roots, and its leaves are, are uh, and, and its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and never fails to bear fruit. Wow, that's the Lord, man. That's the Lord. That His presence, His presence. There's there's a tree in in heaven that the tree that. 
they were forbidden to eat there in the garden, man, they, it shows up in heaven. I don't, I don't, it was transplanted. God took it off out of the garden, took it. And, and it says that, man, it, it bears its fruit every, every month of the year. It never stops bearing fruit. The, the leaves are always green and the leaves are used for the healing of the nations. It, it, it has a constant supply of nourishment. And Jesus is saying, and Jeremiah is saying, and this woman, I believe she is saying, the young woman, that, man, I'm, I'm not doubting where my, my lover is. Because the very next verse, she says, well, I, I know where he is. Why are you questioning? I know where he, he, he is among the lilies. He's where he normally is, collecting flowers for me. I am my beloved, and he is mine. I'm not in doubt. I'm not in doubt. And, and, and my, I want to urge you this morning never to be in doubt of the nearness of Christ. The nearness. He is always close to those that he loves. I want you to stand with me this morning. Amen. He loves you that way. He loves you that way. And in passing through eternity, passing through the planets, through the universe, galaxies, he just happened to pass the field where you were working. He just happened to look and he noticed you. He noticed you, lovely, the fairest of all. He says, you know what, man, I, I love that one. I love that one, that one struggling and working and toiling. And I will do everything to have that one, to live for her, to help her, to uplift her, to uphold her. And he falls in love with you. And he vows never to leave you nor forsake you. That's the Lord. That's the Lord. Father God, I pray this morning for your people. I pray, Father God, that we be reminded through story. Father, we be reminded through scripture that we be reminded of your love for us, your great unending love for us. You have made a commitment to your people never to leave us nor forsake us. You've made a commitment to be there, to be present. And we see story after story of those, my God, who have doubted your nearness. And there you were, right there. We see story after story of those, my God, who have run out of, of their supply of, of food or, or for shelter. And there you are with an answer. You're never far away. You're never too far that you're not able to help in our time of need. And so I pray this morning, Father, that when the world asks, where's the one who claims that he loves you, that we can respond, I am my beloved and he is mine. He loves me this morning and he's never far from me. I pray, Lord God, your presence among your people, whether we feel it or not, see it or not, hear you or not, your presence among your people. Let us live with the confidence that where we speak, you speak. That where we serve, you serve. Upon whom we lay our hands, your hand is laid. 
Father God, an intimate presence of the living God among us and through us. This is my prayer this morning. Inglewood needs it. Southern California, the world needs it. Christians that walk with you. We thank you this morning in Jesus' name. And God's people say, amen, amen. Give the Lord praise this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh God, we need you. We need you. Hallelujah. I believe he's here this morning. He's, he's here with you there in the seats. He's here at this altar. And so I want to invite you. There may be some here this morning. You, you may feel distant from him. Distant. But he is here with a, with a wealth of grace. With a wealth of grace. Of, of forgiveness. Of love. He is here this morning with healing. He is here this morning. This morning with with, with patience, with love, and, and he wants to touch our lives this morning. Why don't you come? Come to the altar. Come. Maybe you say, you know what, Lord, I want to be, I, I want to live my life knowing that you are with me. I need the faith to believe that. Why don't you come? Meet with him. He's here for you this morning. He loves you this morning. Come. There's room at the altar for you. And let Jesus speak to you this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me.